welcome to Amago Season 1, Episode 6. I'm your host, Vanessa Brown. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Today, I have the honor of introducing you to one of my mentors and fathers in the faith, Reverend Ted Hambrick. I'm sure me saying this is a complete surprise to him, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says something about us being um, a living epistle, right? Letters written. Um, and the very first time that I met him, um, even though I don't speak to him often, as soon as he showed up at my school and offered to help me, God revealed to me who he was, a living epistle, (laughs) a letter written from Christ. He has been a Nazarene pastor for 37 years. He graduated from Mount Vernon Nazarene University. He has pastored in New Albany, Ohio, in California, in Charleston, in Beaufort, and in Hollywood, South Carolina. He is married to the beautiful Dr. Patty Hambrick, who is here in the studios today um, with him. And together they have ministered uh, at multicultural churches and assisted in starting two Hispanic churches. And they are the developers of the Super Life Super Bus, a neighborhood mentoring program designed to take the church into at-risk communities. So today I have the honor of having him in the studios with me. So welcome, Pastor Ted, and to... Pastor Patty, thank you for being here with us. So you're my first guest, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, And so I invited you to be here because, like I said, you are like one of my mentors. And um, when you showed up at the school for me and offered to help me with the kids, uh, it really meant a lot to me. And when I started this podcast um, and talked about being a reflection of Christ, you were one of the first people that the Lord dropped in my spirit um, to have on the podcast. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> because um, that's, that's what God is talking about, um, being that, that type of person to, to, to be a reflection of him. Um, and so I wanted to invite you on just to talk about that a little bit because I know you weren't quote unquote trying to do that, um, but that's who you were to me at that time. That's amazing. That's exactly what my desire is to re- reflect Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, you did that pretty well for me. Well, thank you. So thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to start off by asking you. Um, how did God first reveal himself to you? Tell me, tell me a little bit about Ted, like who, who you were like as, as a kid, and then kind of talk to me a little bit about how God revealed himself to you. Well, I, was, I grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. At least my mother was a Christian. 
And uh, my father died when I was about 12 years old. But my mother, uh, she was a praying woman. Mm -hmm. And um, I would hear her pray at night. But I have uh, seven brothers and sisters. And she'd start with Kenneth, the oldest, and come on down. I was next to the youngest. And I would just wait till I could hear. And there's Teddy. And, uh, and she would pray for me at night. And uh, church was so important to us. Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were there. Every night of the revival, we were there. Uh, but it was a good thing mm -hmm. because that's where our friends were. Uh, that was our social events. Uh, and so church was so very important to us. We had some great pastors. Uh, as I look back, I have to say I loved them all. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they loved me as well. Uh, they would preach fire, hell fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And for a little kid, I found myself at the altar quite often. Uh, but um, it was a real good uh, growing experience, building a foundation uh, in, in Christ and what the church is. Um, but I had, not, I had not always lived close to the Lord. Mm -hmm. When I was 17 years old, um, I was at a revival at our church. Our church would run about 35 to 50. And uh, we had this revival. And they started out with the song, He Touched Me, shackled by a heavy burden, neath the load of guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. Now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And they, like the second night of revival, they would just start with that song. And, and the Holy Spirit would come in, and uh, and it was amazing what God would was doing, and uh, our little crowd of fifty people mm -hmm. started to grow and grow and grow, and the church was packed. They had uh, folding seats down the middle of the aisles to seat more people. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that happened there was there was a boy that had. Uh, 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 Clef pallet. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, um, what, what's that called where their lip was hair lip? Yeah. And they had repaired as much as they could. But when he spoke, you just could not understand him. I remember seeing him sitting up on the platform or kneeling up on the platform at this time. Mm -hmm. And he's praying. He's just a little boy. He's praying. And, uh, and I'm watching this. And uh, he stood up. And began to speak. And he began to speak clearly. That was about close to 60 years ago. He still speaks clearly. Wow. But during that revival, God spoke to me. And I had to recommit my life to him that night. But then he spoke to me about being a pastor. If he ever made a mistake, that was a big mistake. <laughs> Vanessa, I had dropped out of high school. Mm -hmm. I could not write a sentence. Mm. I could not do fractions. I, I had no education. Mm -hmm. When I spoke, I stuttered. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so painfully bashful, I dreaded meeting anybody. And God wanted me to be a pastor. Wow. Well, it was quite a journey. Uh, a year or so later, I joined the Army. And I left Jesus at home. Mm. If you can imagine a bunch of young, young men getting together, never been away from home, and how they would act. Well, that's how we acted. 
And it went like that for several years. Uh, but uh, but one, one time uh, he uh, began to deal with me. Let me tell you what I was doing. I owned a business, me and my, I had a business partner. Mm -hmm. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. We're in a bar. We've been smoking dope. Mm -hmm. And we was drinking pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. He's playing pool and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden God told me I was dying. Mm. Not right then. Maybe not next year. But sometime I was going to die. And my thought was, that's the most unfair thing that anybody could do to anybody. To create you and let you enjoy life and then take your life. Right. And I'm sitting there. If there is no, if there is a God, hell is for me. Mm -hmm. Heaven is not. And the best thing I could hope for is that the grave would be all there is. Now I didn't like that either. <laughs> that wasn't your option. <laughs> and so God began to deal with me, and and uh, it was sometime that in the middle of the night, uh, I prayed to commit, recommitted my life to God. And uh, been a pastor 37 years. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. So when you think about, um, when you think about the attributes or characteristics of God and some of the things that um, you've been through, what, what would you testify about God? I well, think, I think, and I ask that question, like, what would you testify about God, like, without a shadow of a doubt, what would be the one thing you would say about God, that he's been for you? Now, now I heard some of your podcasts, and so mm -hmm. we've been on a journey, haven't we? <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yeah. And if you've been on a journey very long with Jesus Christ, the one thing that you can say, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. Uh, I, you know, I can tell you that uh, in the darkest moments of my life, and we've all had dark times, mm -hmm. uh, times of people where we've lost loved ones, or when you've had two brain tumors mm -hmm. or operations, mm -hmm. and uh, and you 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 have these dark moments, and you think, how can God be in this? And you might even question, is he, is he going to be faithful this time? But then you look back, maybe years before, and at some event, yeah, he was faithful there. Mm -hmm. And then just a short time later, he was faithful there. And then last week and yesterday, he was faithful, and he's going to be faithful today. Mm -hmm. So faithfulness is what I would say. Yeah, that's, that's mine too. It's, it's, it's the faithfulness of God, regardless of... Um, the situation mm -hmm. doesn't matter how painful it is that that we don't want to go through it it doesn't it doesn't feel good it's uncomfortable it's whatever he said he's going to do it trials are are ways that we we grow mm -hmm. we grow in our faith mm -hmm. and uh, as much as we don't like them i guess they're necessary right and i think one of the 
one of the points that I was trying to make, and I don't know if I made it very well in one of um, the last podcasts, and that, I think it was the, the one where I was talking about Thomas and, and Jesus showing up and even showing Thomas his wounds is, Thomas, I have the wounds, but I'm glorified, you know? And that's, that's the faithfulness of God, that even in our wounds, there's glory. And for us, for us to have enough faith in him to realize that you may have the scars, you may have the wounds, but he gets the glory. And if you stick with him, you'll get the glory as well, you know? So it is that he's, he's just faithful, and I love him for that. Yes. So I wanted, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your, I got a lot of questions for okay. you. Um, so I wanted you to tell me a little bit about your ministry um, and what made you decide to, to go into your ministry. First of all, let me tell you, uh, I am one person that never anticipated working with kids. Okay. Kids scared me. <laughs> I'll tell you why. They are so unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. And at the worst time, they're going to say the worst thing. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, I, I never never really wanted to work with kids. Uh-huh. But that's how God led us. And, you, and it, you can't say, when God comes to you and he leads you in a way, the answer has to be yes. Mm -hmm. To say no to God is not an option. So we were uh, pastoring a little church in our home, actually trying to start a church. Mm -hmm. And it was going pretty well. And uh, we uh, wanted to reach our community. Most everybody that came was driving in from several miles. And we wanted to reach out to our community. And we thought, well, how can we do that? There's a little bus sitting in our driveway. And uh, how we got there is my wife, Patty, her dad was in a nursing home in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And she was visiting her dad. And she saw that they uh, had a new bus. And the old one was sitting there. So she went and asked if they would be willing to donate that little bus to a, a church down in South Carolina. And he said, oh, no, he says, we, we're going to try to sell it, see what we can get out of it, maybe put it on eBay. And uh, so we kind of forgot about it. And then a month or so later, he called us, told us to come get our bus. Mm -hmm. So we had that little bus sitting out in, the, out in our driveway. And, well, you know, like I say, we were having church in our house. Mm -hmm. So if we went and got a bunch of kids or people, where are we going to put them? You know? And so... We came up with the idea of having church mm -hmm. on that little bus in the neighborhood. Now, you remember years ago, there were so many churches had buses. Mm -hmm. And uh, some, some had, you know, 10, Big. 15 buses, mm -hmm. something like that. And they would go out and pick these kids up. And these kids come to church. And here's why they disappeared. It's because those kids were not trained to be church kids. And they would run, and they'd knock grandma over, and they'd say ugly words, and they'd dirty up the, the church, and they created a lot of problems, so the buses slowly disappeared. So God led us to, to go into the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Now, we were sure that it was God. And we went to the first mobile home park close to our, our, our house, 
and visited, and they were so glad to see us. You thought that Cousin Eb showed up. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, they, the kids were excited to see us, and uh, the parents were excited. Right. One man even asked, when you come, would you preach? <laughs> so we were so excited to get there. So it was going to be on Saturday. Saturday, we pulled up in the bus. Just as we stepped off, the owner of the park says, you're not doing that here. Oh, wow. But we were sure that we were doing what God wanted us to do. Mm -hmm. Well, weeks went by, month or so. What was God doing? I mean, did we misunderstand him? Mm -hmm. So I was leaving the house one morning. It was kind of rainy outside, and I was going to go to McDonald's and have breakfast. And I walked outside. Have you ever had God speak to your heart? Mm -hmm. I know you have. Mm -hmm. He spoke to my heart, and it was almost like it was audible. It was as mo the most powerful and most precise uh, time that Lord ever spoke to me. And listen to what he said. Mm -hmm. Go get in that bus. Go up 17 like you're going to Ravenel. Go to the first mobile home park and go tell that manager what you want to do. I was pretty sure it was God, so I was going to go. And so I got in a bus, and I, you know, I'm still kind of bashful. Right, right, right. But I pulled right up in front of the, the, the office there, knocked on the door. She invited me in. And um, I said, here's what I want to do. He said, I, I said, I would like to come and do a ministry here at your, your uh, park. I said, but I want to help you. And... My wife Patty and I had come up with uh, some important values. Mm -hmm. I want to help you because we know that you've got kids here. Mm -hmm. And when you've got kids, you've got misbehaving kids. Um, and you, we want to help you with that. We want to come and teach rules, important rules, mm -hmm. respect, responsibility. And then I'm going to pastor and I'm going to teach them a relationship with the Lord and love of Jesus. And then here's what we're going to tell them. Education, education, education. Mm -hmm. You know what she said? That's exactly what we need here. And so they invited us there. And come to find out, she was a manager of another park. And then we began to go up the road at the other parks. And we were ended up we ended up in all the parks uh, going toward Bravo now. And God has really blessed it. And we have 10 or 11 different uh, locations that we're doing or we're having a program. And uh, we just started um, three or four in uh, Zanesville, Ohio. Oh, wow. And so God is really blessing, and uh, that's how it started. Wow, wow. So how has it been for, for you um, ministering to people from other cultures? How have you, how have you been able to navigate that? And even not just the children, but in ministry in general. It started out kind of rough. It really did. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, you know, I grew up in Tennessee, and and uh, and I, I was as racist as anybody else, more than you others. were. Yeah. No. What happened? It got. Let me tell you how God healed. He healed me. Mm-hmm. I was pastoring a church in New Albany, Ohio, mm -hmm. and we had a Sunday that we 
we're going to fill our pews. So I'm standing up behind the pulpit. I didn't realize I had the problem that I was having in my heart. Uh, and here comes this young man mm-hmm. and his beautiful blonde sister and her black husband mm. and their two little children. I got mad. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want to be mad, but I was mad. But after church, being the good pastor I am, mm-hmm. they were standing in one pew and I was standing behind them talking. And, and I was trying to be as good a pastor as I could, as kind as I could. But this little girl, about the same size as my little boy, mm-hmm. kept staring at me. And out of the corner of my eye, I kept looking at her. Then she reached out her hand and took my hand. And I'm still talking. And God melted my heart. Wow. My thought was that little hand is same, about the same as my little boy's. Mm-hmm. It's warm and it's soft. And from that point, God moved me to California, and I began to pastor multicultural, multiracial churches Mm -hmm. ever since. But it was a healing. Wow. Just that one moment. Yeah. Wow. That's tremendous. Well, you know, I would think that anybody else, I mean, if you tried to do it by yourself, it would take years to overcome Mm -hmm. years of what you've been taught and, and... your attitudes for years. And that was one of that was one of my I guess something that I really admired about you. Um, and a, a question that I, I had, but I I just um, I never I never imagined that you you even had a problem with that. I always thought that you were um, a person that like championed the cause. Um, but never that you yourself even had an, an issue with racism. You know, we can't, we don't choose where we're born mm-hmm. and what you're taught. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't, you know, if you find yourself in a situation, you shouldn't be satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. But when God healed me, not only did he heal the, the dad, instead of anger or hatred, he replaced it with love. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. I love our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love our kids. And if, if you want to get me riled up, do something with oh, my kids. Yes, I've, I've seen. I know. <laughs> I've seen and I know. I can attest to that for sure. For sure. Um, I wanted to also ask you, when you, so when you think about Jesus, and his ministry, what characteristics of Jesus do you try to reflect most? Uh, you know, we're, I had it written down, but where, where he says, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. Mm-hmm. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you took care of me. And then he ends up, when, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear at the end, you've done it to the least of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. I was um, I was at the uh, 
stop sign, not stop sign, the red light the other day. Um, and it bothers me now because, you know, you have um, the folks on the side of the road that are always with their signs asking for money. And I'm, I'm always processing in my head, okay, God, if I give them money, are they going to go buy meth? And if they go buy meth, are they going to kill themselves? Or, okay, Father, is this person really hungry? Do I give them the money because they really need something to eat? So I'm always processing and I'm going, okay. And I, I heard that scripture in my head, you know, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And then the light changed. And I'm like, Vanessa, you had a minute to make a decision. Yeah, I've had those minutes. I was in California one time, and uh, there was a, a homeless person who came out of the woods, had a blanket on, and he looked like he had been beat to death. And I went down the road, and I felt compelled to go get him something to eat. So I, it's breakfast, so I went and got him a sandwich and some coffee and some stuff, and uh, pulled up behind him, got out of the car, and handed that to him. Now, what's the motive here? Mm-hmm. To feel better, to feel mm-hmm. good about myself, to help this man. Mm-hmm. What's the motive? You know what he did? What? He threw it at me. Mm. But you do the right thing because it's the right thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Today again, I have the honor of having my mentor and my father in the faith, Reverend Ted Hambrick, and his lovely wife, Dr. Patty Hambrick, is joining us today in the Imago uh, podcast studio, and we are going to continue our conversation. I am talking to the Hambricks about their ministry, Super Life, Super Bus, along with some of their experiences in the ministry. So thank you all again for joining me and continuing our conversation. Dr. Patty, thank you for joining us in uh, the conversation. So I want to pick right back up um, on some of the things that we were talking about. And so one of the questions that I have for you both, and either one of you can answer this, but tell me a little bit about like how is your ministry different than what we would consider like traditional church? Um, and then I want to tag another question on. And and what made you guys kind of decide that to go that route? So either one of you can jump in. What makes ours different is because we we have no sponsoring church. What kind of children's church can you imagine having a children's church and not having somebody financially uh, support it or a congregation? I think we're the only one. But what we've done is um, we felt that God was leading us into the neighborhoods. And, um, and when we went, we were received uh, incredibly well with giggling, laughing, excited kids and parents who were glad that they were getting some kind of, uh, I guess, spiritual uh, education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, the thing that is so different is that we go to where they are. The, the thing that is the advantage of that, if you've got, say you've got 30 children in your church, in, say, children's church, and you've got one that just absolutely misbehaves, 
Well, that just disturbs everybody. Mm -hmm. The advantage of being in the neighborhood, if little Johnny is misbehaving, Miss Patty over here will say, Johnny, uh, you're having a tough day today. You need to go home and uh, you try it again next time. And so we've only done that. Uh, we've been doing this for 10 years. I would say we've done that uh, probably less than 10 times. But when she uh, sends them home, she follows up with a visit with mamas. Okay. Okay. And we have excellent rules that we make sure that the students follow. Mm -hmm. Our super life values, which Pastor Ted has shared in the last episode, mm -hmm. the rules, respect, responsibility, relationship with the Lord, love of Jesus, and education, education, education. Those help us to have good behavior from the children. And then we're very careful about, we do the tell you, warn you, time out. And we, <laughs> the children turn around instantly because they don't want to go home. And he's right less than 10 times, and it's probably less than four that we've ever had to send anybody home. Mm -hmm. But the children and the families like what's happening, and they like how their children are really learning how to behave and behave well. I was a public school teacher. Uh, in middle school, elementary school, and also at the university training teachers. Mm -hmm. And the behavior is the thing that teachers have the most difficulty with. And this type of behavior structure with our super life values makes a real difference with how students learn to behave. What do you all think is probably something that um, we are, are missing um, as as far as ministering to 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 kids right now, um, which is is something that um, I don't want to say bothers me, but I'm I'm afraid of. Um, I'm afraid that we have babies that are slipping between the cracks. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think we're missing? What What do you think? Well, it's not unusual for us to find children that have never stepped foot in a church. Mm -hmm. And they have no uh, spiritual mentor. And um, somehow, some way, it's the church's responsibility to step up and reach these kids. Um, how that's done, I, I, it has to be People has to go. They have to go where the children are. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only way you're going to reach them is in the neighborhoods. Okay. And in the neighborhoods is where you have to get to know the families as well. And uh, regardless of whether you're a church or a school or whatever your business is, the big equation is relationship equals retention. Retention equals relationship and how we have children and sometimes their moms and the teens and uh, other members of the family come by is because of building that relationship. So we make sure that we know them and that the children know us and what we believe they need to know. And they learn that. So my next question is, tell me what you all believe has been um, the impact of your ministry. Well, you know, it's hard to tell if you've not started with some kind of study or some kind of starting point. Uh, but we'll take credit for all kinds of uh, victories. Uh, 
we, we have some uh, children that are uh, really dedicated Christians. Uh, others are trying to understand or uh, at least they're listening. Uh, and with the education, education, education that we talk about uh, pretty much each time we meet, uh, I think it's helped the children establish uh, the importance of that value mm -hmm. on their lives. Okay. Dr. Patty? Well, it is very important that they learn those values, but we also give them homework and have them teach them to their parents. And I've been to a parent home and a mom come to the door and she goes, I really do know the super life values. <laughs> <laughs> My child has taught me and made me learn those. But we've also had some kids that have become stars at their school who have really gotten into the importance of education. And uh, while they've had wonderful guidance from different places, especially their teachers and uh, the good things that are happening at their schools, they really understand that they need to apply themselves and learn to do well so that they will have an excellent future. Well, neither of you have mentioned it, but I'm going to mention that the fact that, um, or mention your presence in the community is also very impactful. Mm -hmm. um, or at least when I was in that particular community, your presence was very impactful. Um, the, the kids from the community recognized you and it changed the atmosphere when you walked uh -huh. into um, the room. Um, and so I want, I want to acknowledge that. So I think um, the young people having spiritual leadership in their life is very impactful. Um, and I think that that is probably something that's missing in, um, in the life of a, a lot of young people. Um, and so for parents, I think when, I don't know if we don't understand that anymore um, as, as parents. For young parents, I know we've talked about, you know, grandparents understanding that. Um, and I'm in my mid-50s now. But for people who are younger than me, I don't know if we don't understand how important spiritual leadership is for children, right? Um, when we were growing up, we all had pastors and we respected our pastors, right? So therefore, if my pastor walks in my school, oh my God, yeah, of course, I'm gonna be mm -hmm. in my best behavior. Um, or if my pastor is, you know, if I'm in church and my pastor has this, it, he's my spiritual head, There, there is this, respect. Um, and so I think it's very important for young parents to understand that spiritual leadership is very important and it needs to be established in the lives of children. Um, and so I don't think that we can put that aside. Um, and the Bible clearly teaches us, right, that we're supposed to teach children while right. they are young so that they won't forget it when they're old and we can't we can't negate that we can't mm. we can't put that aside we can't um, expect that the television is going to teach our children those values we can't expect um, I know we expect that the church is going to do it but we there are certain things that we have to start at home and, and we have to make sure that those things are in place um, so I wanted to mention spiritual leadership because I, I think that that was something that you all did very well and was impactful. Um, I also wanted to talk to you all about the effectiveness of your partnership um, as a, a husband and wife team. 
um, in ministry and how you all make that work. How how do you how do y'all make make that work? Well, it's um, pretty amazing. Uh, we're we're kind of soulmates uh, for forty five <laughs> years, and it's almost like she reads my mind. The thing is, we've been doing this for so long. Uh, we kind of know what the other one's doing, and we can look at a situation and see uh, who needs to handle it and how to handle it. And uh, uh, I'd like to say I'm the brains and she's the work. It's not that way. <laughs> but, uh, but she's the one that um, goes door to door, knocking on those doors, and I'll hear the kids when, she's, when they recognize her, Miss Patty, Miss Patty, Miss Patty. We'll be in Walmart, and they'll come, Miss Patty, Miss Patty. Never did they say, Pastor Ted, Pastor Ted. <laughs> but, uh, but the way we work together is just uh, years of experience. When I pastored churches, the regular churches, I did that for over 30 years, is uh, even there we would work as hand-in-hand hand as partners. Uh, she's always been a partner in ministry with me. Excellent. You mentioned uh, spiritual leadership, mm -hmm. but we also have an element of behavioral leadership for the children, mm -hmm. and also the way that they should be behave at home and at school. And it is really exciting to go to Walmart and see the kids come <laughs> around with their parents. Most of them who know us, but sometimes the dad doesn't, or sometimes the mom doesn't. And uh, having difficult problems in their family, um, that makes them need us even more sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for us to really, like Pastor Ted says, to know what the other person is thinking is very helpful. How have you been able to um, minister to families out beyond just the children? How have you been able to get to the family level? We, we would like to do much better with that. Yes. Okay. Uh, most of the families, I believe you ask them, where their church was, mm -hmm. they'd say it's super bus. Wow. Or super life uh, church. Super life, yeah. It certainly would. And we had a family that um, had a really difficult time with their home and uh, a fire in the family. Mm -hmm. And the reporters from, I forget which television station, came and she said, well, our church is right here in the neighborhood. It's a super life, super bus church. And she goes, churches don't meet in neighborhoods. Wow. She says, ours is on the web. You go look. <laughs> that is awesome. It was. That is awesome. Um, how how have you been able to? You talked about um, that Super Life has been able to uh, go to other areas. How have you been able to expand the ministry? Well, because we have a teaching and training program, mm -hmm. we will be invited to other churches or other states or both. And even here in South Carolina, we have a lot of different super life locations. But it's very important that people understand that the way you build your church is out there. And we've done it both ways, in there and out there. But you get a chance to be teaching about the Lord out in the neighborhood and these people don't come to another church. Their church is out in the neighborhood, although we do have residents in that neighborhood who do have a church that's a building down the, down the street. We have found that uh, we've had several churches. We, we, we do go to uh, different churches and, and present our ministry. Some will sign on, others, most don't. Mm -hmm. 
because what we're describing today is a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of commitment. And so we'll go in and uh, tell them how it's done. And um, we hear no, we don't hear from them. But I believe this to be true. Those who have taken the training and applied the principles and do it the way we say. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a, a plan that works, mm-hmm. go with the plan. I think if a church or a group will take that plan, follow that plan, they can, that we would be 100% successful. And the churches will take our plan and they will adapt it for their particular situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, that uh, retention equals relationship, that building relationship, and then working with the super life values really makes a difference because you're teaching about the Lord and you're helping people to understand the way to a successful future. You know, it starts with that relationship yeah. with the Lord, but also behavioral issues as well and the education for their life values. Yeah, amazing. Well, you two have um, done some amazing work for the Lord and you continue to do that. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you for um, the time that you have taken to come and share. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with the Omega audience that's listening in? If you don't know the Lord, mm-hmm. call us. We'll help you. <laughs> and uh, living for the Lord is the greatest adventure you'll ever have. Well, yes, it is. Amen. Yes, it is. It is. Um, Again, I just want to let you two know um, how much you mean to me. Um, and that God just does everything so well. Like, um, I think he, I know he's just purposed and everything. And uh, he purposed that we would meet um, at the right time. And I just thank him for um, allowing us to be um, together and for you two to be in my life. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Well, thank you. We are grateful too. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us again on the podcast. We look forward to seeing you next Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m. here on Amago. Have a great week. Please download, like, and share the podcast. We'll see you next week, and we will be just like Thank you.